today on CityCast Pittsburgh. Buying a house is really hard here right now, especially if, like me, you are a millennial with children. And one reason, it turns out, is because the empty nester baby boomers are hanging on to all of our three-bedroom houses. We're with a reporter who's been digging into recent home buying data and asking folks why. It's Monday, March 4th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. I'm with Matt Petras, who did some chipping away at this for Pittsburgh City Paper. Matt, it is really nice to get reacquainted. I'm glad you reminded me that we've actually met before. (laughs) Yes, uh, seven years ago when I was a college senior and a lowly public source intern, I was on The Confluence, and I believe you booked me uh, Mm -hmm. for that show. I love how small Pittsburgh can be, but also how small Pittsburgh, like the Pittsburgh storytelling community can be. It's really fun. Um, So tell us about your story for City Paper and kind of how all this got started. I know it had to do with some data from the real estate company uh, Redfin. They Mm -hmm. crunch all kinds of numbers, how people buy and sell houses, and they compared homeowners by generation, like what percentage of each group owns all the houses in a given place. And then the New York Times took that and ranked the cities. And Pittsburgh, unfortunately, was number one, not in a good way. Tell us about about it. Yeah. So if you look at the Redfin data, the share of large homes owned by empty nesters is their phrasing there, um, 32%. And then if you look at the percentage of large homes owned by millennials with kids in Pittsburgh, it's closer to 13%, something like that. Maybe like it's 12.7 is the exact number there. I guess the obvious question is like, are there more boomers than there are millennials? Like that mm-hmm. many more? Right. So, yeah, so that is a great question. And that's one of the first things I kind of really realized when talking to this. So I spoke with Chris Bream, who I understand is a friend of the show. Yes. And yeah, that's the number one thing he pointed out to me is that Pittsburgh is disproportionately older. So Mm -hmm. we have a lot of boomers. Um, I don't have the numbers offhand, but I'm pretty sure that being said, the number of boomers is similar to the amount of millennials in Pittsburgh. But there's that's that's more than in other places. So that's a big reason, probably honestly, like the reason why Pittsburgh ranks so high on this list. There's just a lot of older people. And that has a lot to do with the larger history of the city and its relationship to the steel industry and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard Chris talk about this so many times. Um, we have one of the oldest c- counties uh, in, of anywhere in the nation. Um, I think there's one in Florida that beats us for all the snowbirds that go down there. Yeah. <laughs> well, so were you surprised at all just to see these like figures, right? Like 32% of boomers have all these houses and then only 13% of millennials, a prospective homebuyers can get one too. How does that square with your experience? Yeah. So I am, I'm very technically a millennial. I'm uh, <laughs> going to be 28 in April. So, so you're I'm one right of the, the youngest. Mm-hmm. I'm 96, which I believe is the cutoff. So, and my wife is, you're younger than me, so she's technically Gen Z. <laughs> so I guess we're millennials slash Gen Z looking yeah, for Yeah, y'all a, are cuspers. You can be what you want to be depending on the room you're in. <laughs> I, I do not want to be Gen Z. But yeah. Um, yeah. And we've tried. We don't have children, but um, we have tried. 
And yeah, it's hard. And I think the main reason for us it's hard is mainly just that, you know, I mean, like, it's hard to make a ton of money these days. Matt, you became a writer, too. That does not help your cause. <laughs> exactly. This might come as a huge shock to some of your listeners, but teachers, uh, journalists, writers, people with creative writing MFAs, mm-hmm. they don't make a ton of money. And, and you know, if, when you look at, like, uh, my parents... I think they're actually they're they're at the cutoff of Gen X and Boomer, actually. And yeah, they've lived in their current house since I was in sixth grade is when we moved there. And they had talks of downsizing, but they're mm-hmm. not doing it. And I think it's just because they like a lot of boomers or old Gen X, whatever we want to call them. The idea is just like, what's the point, you know? Yeah. I mean, to me, like I look at these stats and, you know, the way Redfin and The New York Times wrote about them, um, like I I can see how there's like an element possibly in Pittsburgh of like nostalgia. Um, If you found a good spot and you liked it and maybe you raised your kids there or you just had a nice time there, you've built some community. This is your block. People know that it's your house. Like I can see why you don't want to give that up if you had a good experience. Right. Yeah. And I think that I think that's a great point. And I take it just like one step step higher in terms of how we think about it, which is that like boomers are able to get a lot of nostalgia for where they live because they were able to, in many cases, afford to buy a home younger in their lives Mm -hmm. and stay there for a long amount of time. And whereas millennials, Gen Z, some younger Gen X people, whatever, they weren't able to, and they've had to because of the financial realities of their lives move around a lot. So they haven't garnered that nostalgia, you know? So I think it really ends up coming back to people's class situation and just like how all that stuff interacts with uh, where they live. Yeah. I mean, from your reporting, I know you talked to lots of folks about this issue. Is is there a reason why boomers aren't moving out? Like aside from the nostalgia, maybe they found a nice spot. Um, What are their reasons for staying for maybe not downsizing when like financially they maybe could? So again, it all just comes down to facts of the contemporary housing market. So Nowadays, compared to other times, there's just not a huge incentive to sell, right? I mean, like the boomers are not saying like, you know, we're not going to sell because we want to get one over (laughs) on those millennials who have kids. It's just like, well, houses probably paid off or largely paid off. If there's a mortgage, it may be it's probably lower or the same as what the mortgage would be on a newer house. So houses are really expensive. The interest rate sucks. So what's the point is really what it comes down to. It's all just what that market looks like. And the other thing to think about, too, is that um, a lot of people, boomers, even older folks, they can't necessarily afford a house in the housing market either. You know, I mean, I talked to somebody, a sociologist who reminded me that, you know, older folks, while they tend to be wealthier, they have often astronomical healthcare costs, right? Mm-hmm. So it just doesn't, the math just doesn't make sense for a lot of boomers, I think. And you mentioned kind of your parents' predicament, but what about Gen Xers, uh, the poor Gen Xers that nobody ever talks about? How is this affecting their positionality in all of this? So I looked back at the Redfin numbers and it seems like Gen Xers are kind of in a situation in the middle of boomers and millennials, which makes sense because they are in the middle of them, right? They're stuck with both of us. (laughs) Exactly. Maybe more similar to the millennial situation. So what that ends up meaning is that I think the main difference between millennials and Gen X in the housing market, looking at these Redfin numbers, is that there is more Gen X people living in a house with their adult children, right? Mm -hmm. Which makes a ton of sense. 
but it seems like largely they have a lot of the similar issues as millennials with with uh, with getting a house. Hey, Pittsburgh. Behind those stately red doors on Bingham Street, the brilliant minds at Pittsburgh's City Theater have a brand new stage show for you. It's a modern revamp of the Shakespearean classic Hamlet. Fat Ham follows a young queer black man named Juicy, whose father visits from beyond the grave to demand Juicy avenge his murder. Check it out through March 24th and get your tickets at citytheatercompany.org. Use code CITYCAST, all one word, for $5 off. So, Matt, what do you think about, like, the greed of it all, I guess? Um, Like, these companies (laughs) that come in, I feel like we see their signs all over Pittsburgh, um, but they also operate more quietly than that. They'll buy a house and then they just sit on it, Um, not necessarily to rehab or to sell it um, or to improve a neighborhood, but just because houses are, like, really good assets to hang on to. Land doesn't depreciate the same way. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, for this article, I reached out to an economist and a sociologist, you know, both based out of uh, Pitt. And very early in our conversations, that's where the conversation turned to. That's where their focus was. Um, When you talk about this idea of like boomers are hoarding all these houses, when I kind of talked to them, they were like, hmm, well, it's really, I think, probably more relevant to look at these large, you know, private equity firms or whatever you want to call it, folks making money. Um, sitting on these properties. Yeah. And um, that's a huge part of this. I can see how they might be like an occasional family that has two or three houses. But most most people I know who have a who can have a luxury of a second house, they do it in another place. They don't have two or three houses in the same city. You're telling me you don't have three or four houses? (laughs) I sure don't. I barely have the one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's how it breaks down. And I think that what we're really like, what the issue is here, right, overall is there's a scarcity of houses, right? That's a basic fact of physics, I think. I'm not sure what science that would be, but just (laughs) meaning like there's only so much space and there are only so many houses and well, there's public policy too, right? When you zoom out a little more, what you're also going to see is these wealthy folks, corporations, companies buying up these places, being a part of that market too. And in a scarce market, that makes things tougher for folks. How do you think realtors or, you know, prospective home buyers are adapting to this? Like, is it something that feels front and center for folks or is it more just like, I don't know, another thing, just a reality of living here? Uh, it's got to be front and center on realtors' minds for sure, yeah. right? And it's going to be, I mean, I think pretty much anybody who's trying to buy a house right now is going with the understanding that it's going to be really difficult. <laughs> the response from like really like dedicated people who are really trying their absolute hardest to get a house and realtors who end up working with folks who are like lower to middle income, mm-hmm. I think what ends up happening is they'll look at every single like program, whether it be government or from a bank, to make loans a little easier, to get grants, to put towards your first-time home purchase, all that sort of stuff. There are lots of things out there, but it's just like bandage, 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 bandage on this you know ginormous, ginormous problem. Yeah. Do you think realtors have a good understanding of all those programs? I guess I haven't had to have that conversation before. I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I obviously can't speak for every realtor, yeah, or necessarily course. even realtors in general. I mean, I spoke to one realtor from my story who works specifically with a lot of lower to middle income people. And so, yeah, she's going to have to be very aware of those things. And I learned a lot 
from talking to her. I, for example, was under the impression that pretty much everybody who doesn't make a ton of money, who's younger, who's looking to buy a house, is going to be using like a first-time homeowner loan, uh, which is a government-sponsored like loan. Mm-hmm. And that's really not the case. Uh, a lot of people are not using that, at least according to this one realtor I spoke to. And that's largely because those loans tend to be more restrictive about what type of house you can get. Like they want to make sure it's a house that absolutely positively needs no work. And that could end up just like Xing out a lot of houses that may be good for you. That's a lot of houses in Pittsburgh. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, but I know that like looking federally, like the Biden administration and looking more locally, like at, at Ganey's administration, you're seeing talks of initiatives recently to put more money into building new houses or to just like support more affordable uh, renting situations. And I think that that's ultimately like, I think, where it's going to be most fruitful to put effort in terms of like taking a step forward into the future to fixing things like this. Matt, thank you so much for your work. Of course. Thank you for yours. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, please tell a friend, rate us, leave us a nice review, and make sure you're subscribed to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you in soon. Do you think millennials should be mad at boomers? What's your take? I think that that sounds like a personal issue.